Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code POOL at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code POOL. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Today is March 18th, 2022, and our first story The world is facing a major food shortage due to inflation and gas prices, as well as the war in Ukraine. Fertilizer is hard to come by. Come fall, the harvest may be weak, and hungry people are angry people, and it may push international conflict. In our next story, the media once again pushing lies, desperate to get that war propaganda going, criticizing and censoring anyone who opposes them. And in our last story, a controversy over Leah Thomas, a biological male competing against women, sparks outrage on Twitter. Now, if you like this show, leave us a good review. Give us five stars. Now, let's get into that first story. Many of you are probably already feeling the impacts of inflation, escalating gas prices. But now we have to worry about escalating food shortages. Since the start of the pandemic, we have seen a shortage of certain supplies and prices going up. And now we're barely out of the pandemic and we have a war breaking out. This is causing very serious problems around the world, notably a fertilizer shortage. You combine that with escalating gas prices and the prospect of international war. And it seems like things just keep getting worse. Now, I don't want to come here every day and tell you the apocalypse is upon us, but there are bad things. And perhaps the real issue is that every day it's just another grain of sand of something bad happening. As much as it may suck to hear all this stuff, at the very least, I hope you're informed about what may be coming. Because across the board, we are receiving warnings of a global food crisis, global food shortages. China is now preparing for a food shortage. Billionaires are warning, prepare now. Prices will be going up and it will become harder for you to find what you need. But it's not just food shortages. It's shortages across the board of basically everything. We here in the United States, we go through winters where we eat avocados and strawberries. That shouldn't be possible. But technology makes it possible. We can transport from Mexico avocados and from warmer regions fresh fruits and bring them up to colder climates where you can enjoy fruits all year round. But as resources are strained, as conflict escalates, as oil prices are still, they're they're starting to go back up. The cost of everything is going to become immense and people are going to have to make sacrifices. But the one thing that really worries me Right now, we sit on the precipice of what may be a kinetic World War III. A lot of people say, never going to happen. It's all saber rattling and posturing. Truth be told, I want to believe that too. But when was the last time we saw a hot war in Europe 
It's been some time. And with this prospect comes an opportunity for the U.S.'s adversaries to take advantage of the crisis and seek to exploit this time for their own personal gain. Right now, China is sending a uh, war, war vessels, warships, through the Strait of Taiwan. They've already repeatedly entered the Taiwan air defense zone. And there is serious concern that because of the conflict in Ukraine, China will make its move. But I think there's other reasons to consider international war could erupt. One of the catalysts for revolution we've seen around the world is escalating food prices. And what happens if one of these countries like China or Russia or even the U.S. sees a massive explosion in the cost of food? Well, truth be told, Americans are a bit hefty around the waistline as it is. So we could go with uh, eating smaller portions, but not every single person. Eventually, you will come across that threshold where regular Americans say, I can't afford to eat anymore. And then what? I tell you what, man, as much as you have many people who are saying no war, no war, come after their food prices and watch how quickly many of these people will say, I will do anything you say. Just please, I need to eat. I think the U.S. is a long way away from that. But China has a billion plus people to feed and they're fearing these food shortages. The U.S. is already getting cut off from fertilizer from Russia, which is where we mostly get it. And farmers are reporting on Twitter that their cost of fertilizer has gone up over two and a half times. What do you think that will mean for you and your meal and your family? If tensions continue to escalate in terms of car shortages, import short, you know, shortages of all electronic goods, food and fuel, well, I certainly think that people like perhaps you or I will likely be fine. Well, because we've been paying attention for one, but also because I assume most of you are a little bit more resilient. If you watch shows like mine and I'm constantly flailing my arms in the air, screaming civil war or, you know, World War Three or whatever, though it's a bit of an exaggeration. I do often talk about these issues. Y'all are probably prepared to a certain degree. You probably got survival kits. You've probably got emergency food. You've probably got an emergency survival guide downloaded on your phones. And if you don't, you should. But what about people in cities? What about the entitled city urban liberal types who think they should be able to make $50,000 a year writing pop culture content? Is it really worth all that much to provide so little to society? In my opinion, no, but they're likely going to maintain that sense of entitlement and carry it forward, at fo carry it forward as food becomes scarce. If it does get bad and does escalate, perhaps it could lead to well, to more tensions between countries that are already ready and willing to engage in serious international war. But let's get started here and go through what we're seeing with the looming food shortages, what the Washington Post says a global food crisis, and what China is worried about, escalating food costs. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com and become a member to help support my work as well as all of our journalists. As a member, you keep our journalists employed, and we do fact-checking and original reporting, as well as aggregation every single day. Also, you'll get access to special episodes of the TimCast IRL podcast, available only to our members. And with your membership, we're expanding the work we do. So if you really do want to support us, that's one way to do it. But also, share this video. Post the URL wherever you can. It's the most powerful thing you can do. It's what keeps us afloat amid the massive censorship from YouTube and other platforms. I'm not kidding. You can feel it when they hit you, but you guys sharing th this content, it makes it impossible for them to just downrank us. Well, they, they downrank us, but they can't stop people from watching. But don't forget to like this video and subscribe to this channel. Let's read the first story from the New York Post. 
Looming food shortages is the next slow-moving disaster to hit the world. They write, food prices are already skyrocketing. Some, a lot, of this comes from inflation caused by runaway government spending over the past two years. Some is from supply chain issues. But a new problem is rearing its head. And government officials seem as likely to make it worse as to make it better. That problem is shortages of food and fertilizer brought about by the Russian invasion of Ukraine. And by all means, we can blame Russia for this. I think that's fair. And the sanctions enacted by the West in response. Ukraine is a major wheat producer, but war is likely to ensure a poor spring planting and harvest. Russia is also a major grower, but sanctions and war will prevent it from exporting to most of the world. Russia is also a major manufacturer of fertilizer. In fact, it is the world's largest. Second on the list is China, a nation aligned with Russia and notably unfriendly to the U.S. and the West. Canada is a distant third. That has people worried. Spring plant, fall harvest. You may not see anything until October. But I'll tell you this. I could be wrong about everything. I'm reading the news. Maybe these op-eds and these assessments could be wrong. There are many variables at play. Maybe next week, Vladimir Putin breaks down crying on TV and says, I was wrong to do this. I'm so sorry. Troops, everyone leave. And then everything goes back to normal. Do you think that'll happen? Probably not. But something could happen from now until planting season. And maybe, well, planting season's around the corner. But maybe something changes and the fall harvest is good. It stands to reason if the U.S. cannot buy fertilizer from Russia, where we get a large percentage of it, if Ukraine cannot actually plant crops, then we're all going to see massive spikes in prices come fall and major shortages. Now, for those of you that are watching this video, you have a leg up. For those of you that read the news, you've probably been paying attention. And I think you all have an opportunity to, at the very least, keep it in mind, prepare how you see fit, and take care to make sure you're doing what you need to to survive. But I'm worried about people in these big cities who don't pay attention, who don't read the news, and have no idea what's coming. The worst case scenario. You know, I do those promos for safeandreadymeals.com sometimes. It's an emergency food thing. This is not a promo spot. I'm just mentioning it. And I, I tell people, look, if you have that, your worst case scenario, if you're wrong, is that you've got some food to eat. Your, your worst case scenario in general is that war actually breaks out and you're forced to eat it. But either way, it's food that lasts a long time. If you go out and take care of yourself right now, you're not going to regret it. You're just going to eat the food. So what? The New York Post goes on to say, the green market's North American fertilizer index, already high, jumped 16% last Friday. Urea, a major fertilizer ingredient, went up 22%. Now, let me stop right there too, something they don't mention. For those that aren't aware, urea is a major fertilizer ingredient, but it's also a component in, it's a, what is it called? DEF diesel exhaust fluid. In the United States, we've passed these laws, I think it was around 12 or so years ago, that diesel vehicles need to also fill up on DEF, which is made from urea. When we're driving our truck, because we have a diesel truck, we have to pull up to the pump and they have two different pumps. They have fuel and DEF. If DEF becomes more expensive, it's not just about diesel costs or fuel costs when, when, when we're talking about transportation. You have many new tractor, you know, uh, semis, tractor trails, whatever you want to call them, that require DEF as well. When that price goes up, everything else will go up with it. Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all-time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five-star reviews on Trustpilot, Google, and the Better Business Bureau. 
Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process, and life-changing results, which you can see for yourself online. That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Tim Pool today and discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877 646 Five three four seven. They say uh, DEF. Uh, I'm sorry. Urea went up twenty two percent. Potash, another major ingredient. Russia being the top producer, increased thirty four percent. In Brazil, the world's leading fertilizer importer, the price for standard starter fertilizer ten thirty four zero is up forty nine percent from a year ago and likely to go much higher. Bloomberg analyst Alexis Maxwell calls it a slow moving disaster. The issue is that farmland without fertilizer is vastly less productive. Without fertilizer, corn and wheat yields in the U.S. would decline by more than 40%. But as prices promise to go much higher, farmers will either have to skimp on fertilizer or raise prices of their own products a lot. It's not just that yield goes down and prices go up. If yield goes down, people need to eat. Prices won't be comparable to the decrease in yield. Like if, if it goes down 40%, the prices would go up 40%. Oh, no, 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 no. When there's not enough food, prices will go insane. Then too, there are skyrocketing prices for gasoline and diesel, which are essential for today's mechanized farming and for getting food to consumers. And these increase in costs and decreases in production to the shortages likely to come from the Ukraine invasion. And we're looking at really dramatic increases in food prices. In the West, this will mean discomfort. Elsewhere, it will mean starvation. Bureaucrats aren't helping. Let me show you what the Washington Post says. The editorial board just published this op-ed. The war in Ukraine is triggering a global food crisis. Here's how the U.S. can help. You know, I got to be honest. I think we in the United States may tighten our belts a bit over the next several months. It will probably be fine. Seriously. Maybe many of these city urban liberal types will learn to live below their means and people will get out of cities and try and live a more humble life. For us, I'll tell you this. You know, I say that too much. I tell you this, but uh, um, I will add to the conversation. We got a bunch of chickens. We started with eight. Two of the babies didn't make it, unfortunately. We adopted another. Eventually, it turns out one of those chickens was a rooster. He started, you know, giving the business to the chickens. And now we have a lot. We have 12 new babies. We have uh, we had eight new babies. What are we looking at? 30, uh, 27 chickens right now. And, and here's the best part. Chicken feed isn't that expensive relative to, any, to, to, to food. And the chickens go and do their thing. But man, we have too many eggs. We have a lot of eggs. The conversion is fantastic. But you see, chickens are converting bugs plus the feed into food. I don't want to eat the bugs. Maybe you do. But uh, we don't take it all that seriously, to be honest. We could start taking our chickens seriously. We have Chicken City. For the most part, we're not even eating them yet, and we could be. 
Self-sustainability is going to be extremely important for everybody. I strongly encourage people to learn how to be sufficient on your own. We've got well water, we've got emergency solar power, and we have chickens. We can produce some of our food. I don't think the apocalypse is coming. I just think I would like to be responsible for myself. The concern I have in the big picture is war. From the South, what is this? Uh, South China Morning Post. Ukraine invasion. China braces for effects of global fertilizer shortage on food security. SCMP reports a protracted war between Russia and Ukraine could damage the global fertilizer supply chain, putting pressure on grain prices and production in China during a key planting season. The UN Food and Agriculture Organization has warned of a possible worldwide food crisis as the war in Ukraine threatens production of key staple crops. Russia and Ukraine represent more than half of the world's supply of sunflower oil and about 30% of the world's wheat. China is largely self-sufficient in staple crops like wheat and rice, but the war is also driving up fertilizer prices. More than half of the potash, a key nutrient for major commodity crops that China consumes each year is imported, while customs data show that nearly 53% of potassium purchases last year came from Russia and Belarus, the largest and third uh, third largest suppliers to China, respectively. Moscow earlier this month recommended suspending fertilizer exports, while Lithuania and Ukraine have already banned transit of Belarusian potash through their ports. Ukraine, a major producer of agricultural products, also banned exports of fertilizers on Saturday. Quote, this will definitely have some impact on food security, said Xu Hongkai, deputy, deputy director of the Economic Policy Commission under the China Association of Policy Science. If the trade of fertilizers and grain is interrupted, how can we do spring field work? How can we hold the rice bowls of our 1.4 billion population in our own hands? There will be a lot of trouble. The Farmers Daily, an official newspaper affiliated with the Chinese Agriculture Ministry, warned the war has fueled a spike in fertilizer prices, which are pushing up planting costs and eating into farmers' incomes. The global situation is complex. The supply of fertilizers is tight, and especially around the import of potash, there is greater uncertainty. The newspaper said in an article published on Wednesday, the article said the war has fueled a spike in fertilizer prices, which are pushing up planting costs and eating into farmers' incomes. Ultimately, my concern is, will China, the U.S., Russia, or otherwise, will they sit back and say, I understand population, you are struggling and suffering, but what can we really do about it? Or would China say, we will simply take what we need? I don't know. I don't think many of these great powers will sit back as their people starve, and it could potentially depose many of these these, um, leaders. They're going to want to retain their power. How do they do it? Keeping their people happy. And that means they're going to need to send people off to war. Or at the very least, they're going to say, are are you mad? You want a solution? Go take the oil. Go take the fertilizer. We have this story from Fox Business. Billionaire supermarket CEO. Buy now. Food inflation will only get much worse. John Katsimatidis says food prices could increase by 20% this summer. At the very least, maybe war won't be the issue. Maybe you just won't be able to afford beef anymore. Quote, I've seen price increases coming through the month of March. I've seen them coming through April and May. Between price increases and shrinkflation, where it used to be 32 ounces, now it's going to be 28 ounces. It's anywhere from 12 to a 20% increase in food prices. The billionaire CEO encouraged Americans nationwide to stock up on their favorite products to get a better return on your investment. 
especially if prices soar over the, over the next three to four months. That's what I'm saying, right? That's why I think it's so funny. You know, people think that when I shout out safeandreadymeals.com that, uh, um, and I'm not doing a sponsored spot for them. You know, I just, that's the name of the website. That it's like the apocalypse is near, panic, 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 when it's really just like, oh, if you buy it now, it lasts a long time, and then you can eat it in a month and it would have cost more. You see what I mean? Like, if it's going to cost you 100 bucks for your food now, and you wait a month to buy it and it's 112 bucks, just buy it now, eat it in a month, it lasts forever. That's one way I look at things. You know, right, uh, right now with inflation, outside of food and supplies, I'm buying everything I can. No joke. Some people have pointed out that, you know, I bought a sword and I've bought silver and gold recently. You know, I'll tell you why. I don't want to be sitting on U.S. dollars as mass inflation is hitting. Get hard assets. Here's the problem. It's easy for people of mean and of means and wealth to acquire hard assets. It's not easy for regular people. So what do you do? What does the, what does the average working class person do? I'm afraid I don't have the answers. There is going to be potential hyperinflation in our future. And when that happens and savings have been decimated, the rich will be holding hard assets, which won't decrease in value. The poor will have very little hard assets and their money will become worthless. And you will see some very, very steep and serious oligarchy in this country, worse than we've already got it. The Fed, of course, is raising interest rates for the first time in three years, projects six more hikes as inflation soars. They've increased key benchmark rate by 25 basis points. I hope you're prepared for what we're going to see. Gas, despite, look at this one from NBC, NBC Boston. Despite drop in world oil prices, gas prices remain high. And I'm seeing all these lefties being like, you see, this proves it's about greed. If the oil prices are going down, then gas prices should go down too. No, that doesn't make sense. Crude oil and gas do track to a certain degree. But you're not just going to see everything move in tandem. No, gas prices are remaining high. And oil is going back up. CNBC reports. Oil jumps as Russia-Ukraine talks stall. They say, oil prices were set for a second straight weekly loss, but found a floor above $100 a barrel on Friday after volatile trading this week with no easy replacement for Russian barrels in sight in a market already marked by tight supply. They say the supply crunch from traders avoiding Russian barrels, stuttering nuclear talks with Iran, dwindling oil stockpiles, and worries about a surge of COVID-19 cases in China hitting demand have combined to produce a roller coaster ride for crude prices. The volatility, volatility has scared players out of the oil market, which in turn is likely to exacerbate price swings. Russia said an agreement had yet to be reached after a fourth day of talks with Ukraine, during which some signs of progress had emerged earlier the week. Earlier in the week, President Putin appears unwilling to end hostilities. This should ensure that the energy complex remains well supported with plenty of scope for further volatility. He also said rising U.S. interest rates pointed to a stronger U.S. economy, which could underpin oil demand. After the Federal Reserve on Wednesday raised interest rates for the first time since 2018 and laid out an aggressive plan to push borrowing costs to restrictive levels next year. Go to Google. Search for food costs, and you'll find more than enough stories to see that we've got a serious issue. We've got NBC Montana, The New York Post, Oregon Capital Chronicle, KSHB, CBS Miami. The reason I show the Google search on food costs escalating, rising, is because many of these stories are hitting localities. People are hearing about the local issues. And so I think people need to understand all of these small stories in these local, uh, in these local areas lend themselves to a national story. 
Food costs are through the roof everywhere. I'm worried about what comes next. In this story from, uh, what is this, um, International Policy Digest, U.S. agriculture is in crisis. They mentioned labor shortages. Yeah, blame COVID. Blame the Democrats' policy and some Republicans. And it's COVID itself keeping people out. Machinery costs are through the roof. Feed costs are through the roof. Fertilizer costs are through the roof. The need for political intervention, they say. I don't have all the answers for you, man. But the industry is in crisis. At least that's what they're saying here. Look at these cows. That cow right there in that picture, that looks like a worried cow. I'm kidding. I don't know. The cow probably doesn't know anything, doesn't care. But it is affecting more than just the United States. And I fear it's going to lead to desperation, anger, and crisis. From uh, financialtimes.com. From pasta shortage to run on iodine pills, panic buying hits Europe again. You take everything we've talked about with the conflict, with the crisis, with the escalation, the shortages, and you add in the panic buying, and I think it'll hit faster than you realize. We have every reason to believe that the food shortages will be bad this fall. Prices will go up this fall. But if people are seeing the news and they can anticipate it will get bad and they're watching videos like this, they may go out and panic buy. I don't recommend panic buying, but it's not about panic buying. See, that's what people understand. Some people think it's either you buy like normal or you panic buy. What happens if people calmly go out and buy supplies because they're worried about the future? That's not panic buying. Nobody's panicking and rushing in and throwing all the toilet paper in a bin like they were a couple years ago. You might go in and just fill up your cart with a couple weeks worth of food and say, better stock up now. But what happens when every single person does that? All of a sudden, you see supply chain crunch. All of a sudden, you start seeing empty store shelves. Prices start going up. And so it begins. I do love how Bloomberg and many outlets are trying to blame it all on Russia. How Russia's war in Ukraine is choking the world's supply of natural resources. Truth be told, Russia does deserve a lot of blame for this. That's a fact. But the reality is that things were getting bad before the invasion. Euronews.com reports global food prices had already hit record high. Then Russia invaded Ukraine. They say when the Russian army launched its attack against Ukraine on February 24th, food prices worldwide were already at record highs. The war is likely to push them higher. Global food prices hit a record high in February, climbing 24% higher than they were at the same period the year before, following a 4% month, month-on-month rise. The euro area has not been spared, with prices for food, alcohol, and tobacco uh, rising 4.1%. These sharp rises have been attributed to a variety of factors, primarily energy and transport. The cost for both of these has shot up over the past year, with demand for natural gas and shipping far outstripping supply as economies around the world shook off their COVID-19-induced stupor. Then Russia invaded its neighbor, falsely claiming the attack was necessary to prevent genocide by Ukrainian authorities, and the reaction on the markets was immediate. Just listen real quick. The reaction on the markets was immediate. This is what I've been trying to say about Joe Biden's policies and the Democrats. The left, of course, says it's all Putin's fault. Well, well, hold on there a minute, my friends. Joe Biden's policies, executive orders, have an immediate impact on markets, which means people will start panic buying or selling. That's all a big factor here. I'm not going to blame Biden for every single thing that goes wrong. International conflict isn't the fault of one person, but policy matters. Leadership matters. Over in Russia, the Moscow Times reports Kremlin warns against panic buying as food prices rise fast. It is happening now. Shelves are empty. Prices are through the roof. And the Kremlin is warning, do not panic. But it's happening. 
Weird stuff's happening in Russia, to be completely honest. Russia suffering shortages, struggling to sustain troops. I want to throw this one in there just to say, perhaps if Russia can't afford to feed their soldiers, there's not going to be a war and things might get back to normal. They say wars are fought on soldiers' bellies. If you can't keep your troops fed. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. What are you going to do? Who's going to fight? People start starving. They desert and they'll go find food somewhere. The people in Ukraine have a lot of food to, to, to eat. Russian soldiers will have to seize areas and have food shipped in if they're to survive. Wars are not easily fought. Now, aside from all of this, we do have very weird repercussions of, uh, in terms of sanctions and how things are going on. But I, I, as much as these stories, these next couple of stories may be kind of weird and funny, I think the show's conflict is coming. Timcast.com reports, Russia aims to replace McDonald's locations with Uncle Vanya's restaurants. And you can see that they just flip the McDonald's logo over and clone it. Interesting. Russia continues to display resourceful forms of resistance to sanctions and protests over its invasion of Ukraine. This story is rather simple. McDonald's has closed its doors in Russia, joining a group of companies exiting the country after invaded Ukraine. But it may face trouble if it intends to reopen. We have this boycott subway calls grow as company continues doing business in Russia. And I think we also have, what is this one? Not this one. We have a a story on Burger King. Burger King's refusing to back down. The reason why this McDonald's story I find interesting and and think it's relevant is that Russia now is telling people to not worry about international treaties on copyright. This means Russians are going to easily just clone Western products and sell it on their own, creating a parallel global economy. They're already doing this with credit cards, with union pay, with China, with the Mir card. Visa and MasterCard now have global competition. Parallel economies. Russia, China, Iran, North Korea, Venezuela, whatever country. They will be able to sustain themselves and keep their soldiers' bellies full while avoiding Western financial services. Once this happens and it's possible to sustain these troops, you will see Russia and China wag their finger at the U.S. and say, you have no power here. It'll allow them to fight these wars. If Russia was unable to get fuel or food for their soldiers, there would be no war. So they're able to. With the expansion of Russia creating their own parallel economies, they will be more capable of doing so. But this will also cause conflict and chaos. It will result in shortages, prices going up, and could potentially lead to a reason for war, a bigger reason for war, to be completely honest. Russian foreign minister warns that anyone transporting weapons to Ukraine will be considered a legitimate military target. It's effectively a threat against the West because we're talking about delivering military jets and weapons. And I think we've been supplying Ukrainians with substantial amounts of resources and weapons. And Sergei Lavrov is basically saying, we'll consider you a legitimate military target if we see you bringing this stuff in. More cause for war. The U.S., you know, probably through Poland. Poland starts delivering resources into Ukraine. Russia bombs them. Now NATO's involved. Maybe. Or maybe it goes to China. China. Chinese carrier sails through Taiwan Strait hours before Biden-Xi call. 
That is a statement. We know what that means. Xi Jinping is effectively insulting Joe Biden before they have this call. So it could be China. China could decide we need Taiwan more than ever. With rising prices and the threat of war, China must be thinking they have to act now to secure their interests. And what are their interests? Well, Taiwan produces a ton of those silicon chips. China would love to control all of that. They don't right now. If the U.S. loses this, the cost of our imports will skyrocket. China will control the market on electronics. They can use this to gain a tremendous amount of power over other countries. And then what? Thucydides' trap, I suppose, a rising economic power butting heads with a dominant power, and then it all goes to war. There are a lot of reasons to believe we're headed towards war. And maybe some might say, you said war was going to happen for this reason or that reason. You said civil war. Listen, just because we're talking about escalating food costs doesn't mean Taiwan and Ukraine don't play a role anymore. Just because there's a threat of international war doesn't mean civil war is off the table. We have right now Democrats suing to disqualify Republicans. In fact, this crisis very well may lead to an internal conflict in the U.S. Don't look at me, man. I can't see the future. I'll tell you what I'm preparing for. Self-sustainability. The only thing I can really say is this. I'm, I'm, I could be wrong about so much of this stuff in terms of speculation. I can pull up these sources that are NewsGuard certified and say, look at that, certified authoritative sources telling us what may be coming. Maybe my opinions on all of this are wrong. Maybe uh, my connecting the dots are wrong. The one thing I can, I, can, I can absolutely say is that when it came to the 2020 election, I saw the resentment and the sentiment among so many people who are willing to vote for Donald Trump, but I missed a big piece of the puzzle. And that was the hatred for Donald Trump. I don't think I missed it as, you know, um, alt. I, I don't think I did a bad job across the board, right? I was aware that enthusiasm against Trump was as high as enthusiasm for Trump, but I didn't believe so many people would be shooken out of their stupor or, you know, pushed into a stupor to go and vote for someone like Joe Biden. I didn't think he was going to gain that many votes. Donald Trump did gain around 10 million votes, but not enough to win. So I missed that. I very well be missing something here. But the one thing I can say, when it comes to making predictions and preparing for the future, my business has been remarkably successful. Things that I told other big companies to do 10 years ago have come to fruition today and greatly benefited me. I told Vice, get your hosts and personalities to do straight to the camera conversations on their thoughts and opinions about these stories, and you will see massive channels with new celebrities and new stars, and you'll have a massive footprint. They didn't do it. I said the same thing to Fusion. They didn't do it. I go my own way. I take my own advice. It's wildly successful. I was right to leave New York when I did. I was right to leave Jersey and and the South Philly, uh, Philly suburbs when I did. And here I am now in the middle of nowhere, taking care of ourselves, and we've been all the better off for it. We didn't get locked down in our cubicles. We weren't confined to our homes. We are in the vast openness of Western Maryland and West Virginia. I can't say that I can predict the future or anything like that. I just think that, you know, five, uh, let's say 50.1% of the time, I get it right. I have a tendency to just get some of it right more than I get it wrong, but I get a lot wrong. And that just means that for me, well, I'm prepared and chance favors the prepared. I don't know what you should do because I don't know where you live, but you should probably be making sure that you can survive a storm at the very least. You should probably download a survival guide. You should probably get away from cities. Things seem to be getting bad or going from bad to worse. I don't know where it will end up, but I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tonight at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastirl. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then.
At this point, I don't know what the end game of NATO and the West will be. They keep saying that Vladimir Putin is losing or that the war is stalled. But then we get update after update about how much worse things are actually getting. In this story from the Daily Mail, Putin goes west, stalled. Russian forces strike Lviv, 70 kilometers from Polish border as part of effort to bomb Ukraine into submission. As Pentagon warns, he could resort to more nuclear threats rather than sign embarrassing peace deal. What does this mean? What is the point of this incessant news? Vladimir Putin is gaining ground. He's bombing more targets. He's moving west. Does that mean he's losing? You take a look at Russia's military capabilities. You take a look at the sentiment among the Russian people. It does not seem like they're going to lose this. In fact, we're also getting mixed messages. Jen Psaki says they're trying to, I think it was Psaki, that they're trying to bait the West, that Russia is going slow about it. So which is it? And I, I, I love this. As the Pentagon warns, he could resort to more nuclear threats. I don't care about his threats. I care about whether or not he's actually going to use nukes. This is the name of the game. The media is being manipulated to an insane degree. We saw the news with the Hunter Biden laptop thing the other day. The New York Times finally coming out and being like, yeah, all of that was real. Meanwhile, you had NPR saying, this is a viral tweet. It's going around now. They said, we're not going to cover this story because it's not, it's a distraction. They're lying. They're cheating and they're stealing. But the strange thing about it is my question here with this constant news, with mixed messages, what's their goal? Just to confuse everybody, it doesn't seem to make all that much sense, to be completely honest. And I wonder if what's really happening is that the U.S. is just falling apart. No, I, I mean, maybe maybe to extrapolate that from what we're seeing with the fake news doesn't necessarily make sense. But it doesn't make sense in terms of is there this big picture of, you know, collapse happening in the United States? Does this connect to it? What I think we're seeing here is that there's no unified message on what's actually going on. And you've got grifters in the establishment left and Democratic Party that are extracting whatever resources they can as the Titanic sinks. So I'll give you an example of what I mean. Again, constant stories about Putin losing, endless stories showing uh, videos on Reddit, endless endless viral videos on Reddit of Russians being vaporized and breaking news, a Russian general has been taken out. And then it's, but they're expanding West and they're going to use nuclear weapons on us and it's getting worse. And what do we do? Pick one. Are we losing? Are we winning? I don't know. I don't know. Why would they have an incoherent message? I could not tell you. What I can tell you is they're lying about most things and they're censoring people who are being honest about what's happening over in Ukraine. Maybe it's because uh, it it depends on your sentiment, right? In the story from TimCast.com, Tulsi Gabbard's Fox News interview about Ukraine has been restricted and deemed inappropriate or offensive by YouTube. Why? What did Tulsi Gabbard say that was wrong? Oh, her opinion. Her opinion being, we shouldn't be intervening in foreign wars. For this, you've had The View call for Tulsi and Tucker to effective, they've effectively called for them to be arrested. They Well, Whoopi Goldberg said, they used to arrest people for stuff like this. No, no, no they didn't. They, they, they didn't. But then the, the, the View hosts went on to say the DOJ should probe them. For what? Well, that's the accusation, Russian propaganda. If you saw my video yesterday, you'd have seen me highlight this video from the Daily Beast in which Jared Holt fabricates a story, completely makes it up. I've requested a correction 
from uh, Jared. Of course, he has not responded. How Russian disinformation goes from the Kremlin to QAnon to Fox News. And I'm starting to wonder, you know, well, I've been fairly uh, uh, pro-Ukraine from the beginning. In fact, even before the war, constantly harping on about how I have friends in Ukraine and how I'm concerned about them and how Russia is the bad guy. That's weird. I'm very anti-Russian invasion. I've gone on to say that the biolab story was likely false because the maps people are posting that, that claim Russia is attacking biolabs don't even sync up attacks in biolabs. It doesn't even make sense. So why would Jared Holt fabricate a story about me and Tulsi Gabbard? I think what it really comes down to is one of two things. And I think it does show that the United States is fractured in such a way beyond just the culture war that Russia and China will take advantage. What this could be is Tulsi Gabbard and I share very strong sentiments about the U.S. not getting involved in foreign conflicts. I think she's much more anti-intervention than I am because I'm a bit too milk toast to be absolutist and be like, never. You know, there are questions I'll ask about sanctions and whether we should have sanctions and certain issues. And, you know, maybe I should just have a conversation with her, hopefully at some point if she's interested, to figure out where we agree and disagree. But I think I think for the most part, we're anti-intervention. I don't see why the U.S. should be involved in Ukraine. It is a neighbor of Russia, but I get it. Gas. LNG. That's what uh, Randy Weber was calling the other day. Liquefied natural gas. The United States and its NATO allies want to get cheap fuel into Europe. That's about it. So these NATO countries are using us as the cudgel to to impact Russia negatively to get them cheaper prices. Simple way to put it. So I look at that and I just say, I don't see a reason why we should be involved in this. So when you take a look at who is being smeared by the Daily Beast and a, a fabricated story by Jared Holt, then you start to realize there's something in common. Donald Trump Jr., well, For all of the the Trump administration's faults, Donald Trump was pulling troops out of the Middle East. You have Tucker Carlson. He is way, way, way beyond even where I'm at, where he's yelling at that Republican saying, like, you want to defend Ukraine's borders, but not ours. And he's yelling at her. And I don't get that heated, but I agree with Tucker. And then you've got uh, Tulsi Gabbard being uh, shouted out here. And then you have me, beanie clad, disaffected liberal YouTube creator Tim Poole. Pushing, look at this. He says, you know, they explain these accusations are built off too far reaching assumptions that COVID-19 was manufactured as a bioweapon. I've never said that. In fact, when Seamus talks about a lab leak, I have to push back and say, we don't have the missing piece for a lab leak confirmation, but I think a reasonable person would conclude the lab leak is true. And uh, I just point to John Stewart. And uh, uh, that the U.S. would only fund research labs in order to secretly produce such weapons. I've literally not asserted any of those things. So why am I being included in this? Well, what I do say is perhaps it's because anti-intervention, anti-foreign war. That's one thing many of us have have in common. Or it could just be Jared Holt, who has written many fabricated stories in the past. And, uh, you know, it's what he does. He makes money doing it. It's really that simple. I mean, it could just be that... um, it's a grand conspiracy, Ooh, and Jared's working for an organization meant to smear individuals who oppose war. Uh, I don't know where he's working now. He used to ro- work for Right Wing Watch. But this is a very interesting story, and I wonder who falls for it. I wonder who falls for it and why. The, the, the link in question to, uh, to, in my name is me saying the U.S. has confirmed biolabs in Ukraine, and I'll explain why that's relevant. 
We have this from Media Bias Alert. Is Tucker Carlson guilty of spreading Russian propaganda? In which they show several headlines. One of those headlines is very important. It's this story from NBC News. Russian propaganda on Ukraine's non-existent biolabs boosted by U.S. far right. Russian and Chinese officials have also pushed the theory associated with QAnon, which has reached mainstream conservative media in the U.S. The story is quite simple. There are many biolabs in Ukraine. That's a fact. Victoria Nuland said that there are biolabs in Ukraine. That's a fact. She said there is a fear that Russia could get their hands on these biolabs, and that could be dangerous. And she was asked by Marco Rubio, if there were a biological attack, is there any doubt in her mind it's Russia? And she says, no doubt at all, it would be Russia. That's fine by me. I'm not Victoria Newland, nor do I know what she knows. I do think Marco Rubio was leading her with that, and I'll criticize him for that. But the U.S. government has confirmed biolabs do exist. And it's interesting, too, because uh, we have this, the, the link to the U.S. embassy website that outright says the U.S. helped construct two BSL-2, biosafety lab level two laboratories, and they say it's mostly for food safety and consumer protection. And I say, okay to that. You wouldn't be making weapons in a BSL-2. So it's strange, isn't it? NBC News comes out on March 14th and says non-existent biolabs. They say that we're lying, that we're making it up. Now, why is that? Why is it that when I say the same thing Victoria Newland says, or just cite her, they accuse me of pushing some fringe conspiracy theory about the U.S. manufacturing bioweapons, which I've not done. Maybe it's because Victoria Newland wasn't supposed to answer these questions and talk about these biolabs. Are they funded by the U.S.? I've not stated that. There is a statement from the Pentagon that $200 million went into funding. For what? I don't know. What I do, the only thing I do know is what they've said, and it's biological threat reduction. Sounds like a good thing to me. I've got no reason to believe there's uh, anything untoward happening. I do know that they've also stated there are pathogens in these labs. I do know that Russia is likely lying. In fact, I would just say outright, Russia is very probably lying about all of this. Because their, 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 their issue is West, uh, Western expansion more than biolabs. And they're not even going after the biolabs, to be completely honest. It's not a part of their demands. Russia is lying about this as a justification, and anybody claiming the biolab certificate justification is wrong. Vladimir Putin gave terms to Ukraine. So, uh, uh, surrender Donbass and Crimea. He said, remain neutral. I think, was the Donbass and the Crimea thing? Uh, uh, neutrality in the Donbass and Crimea regions. And I wonder if those were the two demands. I don't know, whatever. But, but those are basically the, the demands. They want to control these regions, and they don't want the, uh, Ukraine joining NATO or the EU. If Vladimir Putin was concerned about biolabs, he would have come out and said, and shut down those biolabs. But he didn't do that because he doesn't really care. So this is what I find fascinating. NBC News lies. Outright fabrication. Not, look at this. Russian propaganda on Ukraine's non-existent biolabs boosted by U.S. far right. But there are biolabs there. That's a fact. Isn't it strange that NBC... Well, it's not strange. Here you go. From Breitbart. 15 media personalities claimed Hunter's laptop emails were likely Russian propaganda before New York Times admitted. This is the name of the game, my friends. This is how it works. Kyle Griffin, surprise, surprise. This guy lies and makes stuff up all the time. The Trump campaign claims Facebook is censoring journalism because Facebook plans to limit the spread of the New York Post report. This is not censorship. 
Facebook is under no obligation to allow a disputed report that appears to contain disinformation to spread on their platform. Liar. Anand Girid Haradas, publisher of The Inc. Yep. Daily Beast, oh surprise, surprise, Wajahat Ali, Brooke Binkowski, Heidi Pritzbila, Chip Franklin, Ben Rhodes, Max Boot, Navid Jamali, Mother Jones, Brian Stelter, incredible, Wolf Blitzer, no surprise there, Ken Delanian, Dave Ehrenberg, Jim Shudo, all lying. Well, I should be a little bit more reserved in my criticism, all pushing disinformation or attempting to discredit what was a confirmed story at the time. We had um, security researchers who uh, authenticated the emails. There's still questions about how this came to be, sure, but it's real and we know it's real now and the media let us down. So now we're getting the exact same play. Is Is Tucker Carlson guilty of spreading Russian propaganda? They say from the left, well, the accusations of propaganda are nothing new in American media. Such take, uh, actions take a new life during Russia, blah, blah, blah. Most broad, blah, blah, blah. Tucker Carlson, Russian propagandist. They, uh, so they say. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance Plus, save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Let me just read this because it's, it's going to get into propaganda and stuff. The word propaganda is uh, almost exclusively used by Western media in relation to governments and other organizations viewed as authoritarian. and most often means Russia and China, but it can also refer to large corporations. The frequent target of the propaganda label is RT, which has a well-documented history of twisting stories to pursue the Russian government's interests. According to one anonymous former RT reporter, their editor directed them to highlight anything that causes chaos ahead of the 2016 Brexit vote. Furthermore, accusations of propaganda are generally negative. They're going to say, so when Daily Beast's columnist Julia Davis wrote on December 30th that Tucker Carlson was boosting Russia's new propaganda war, the accusation implied Carlson was participating in an authoritarian regime's malicious effort to manipulate the public. Blah, 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 blah. Large swaths of left and center media voices have since made similar criticism of Carlson. In February, they all said the same thing. They all said the same thing. Blah, blah, blah. They go on to say, on March 13th, Mother Jones reported on a leaked Kremlin memo telling state-friendly media outlets to feature more of Carlson's monologues. Tucker Carlson isn't unique. They say it's hardly the first time Russia has tried to stoke political divisions in the U.S., for instance. What's new this time, however, is a direct link between the target narrative and Russia's own goals. Russia isn't just trying to weaken America uh, generally. It's specifically specifically trying to weaken America's resolve to defend Ukraine while also justifying its actions to the Russian people. And that's ultimately what I want to get at here. They say you've got Jacobin writer Branko Marsetic has accused the media of neo-McCarthyism against Russia and, you know, blah, blah, blah. 
Un- ultimately, whether Tucker Carlson's Reddit counts as propaganda matters uh, less than the propaganda most Americans agree on, the narrative of Putin's Russia. Here's the point. We know that uh, Vladimir Putin is likely lying. But it's interesting to me that the media is going after anybody who would oppose war or support for Ukraine. And that seems to be what we're even seeing here with allsides.com breaking down. Is it propaganda? After everything they go through, attempting to be, you know, unbiased or whatever, ultimately the story is Russia isn't just trying to weaken America generally. It's specifically trying to weaken the America's resolve uh, to defend Ukraine while justifying its actions to the Russian people. And that's the insinuation that that's, that's what Tucker Carlson is doing. But simply because you in the United States disagree with the idea that we would send our resources, our money, and our troops to Ukraine results in a massive wave of you being accused of working for Russia, people being, uh, them threatening you with the rest. No matter what happens, no matter what the narrative is, so long as you're pro-war, you're fine. If you say there are biolabs in, in Ukraine, there, there, did you hear Victoria Nuland talking about these biolabs? Russia could get their hands on it. We must invade now to protect those labs. Oh, they're going to come out and be like, truly a heroic statement to protect Ukrainian interests. Or if you say, wow, they're talking about biolabs. That's crazy. Man, we shouldn't be involved in this country. All of a sudden, all of a sudden now you're a propagandist. You're pushing what Putin wants. Because what Putin wants is for the U.S. not to get involved in Ukraine. So what about Afghanistan or Iraq? Every single person who protested uh, uh, back in the 2000s, were they propagandists for Iran or for Vladimir Putin or for China or what? This is the creepy world we live in. And you have, you have legitimately evil people you know, out there who publish lies in an attempt to get you to do their bidding or to lend your voice and your vote towards their goals. I believe that's wrong. I believe it's wrong. You know, so uh, I'll tell you my opinion, but I'll tell you the facts the best that we the best that we can assess it. Early on, I thought the bio th- bio lab thing was completely false. I read that we did have some bio labs, but I'm like, it doesn't seem there's anything there. Now we're learning that it's actually substantial funding, two hundred million dollars. I should I say I say substantial, but it's over a period of time, not like a check was written. And many of these labs, they say it's reportedly just, they're doing research on pathogens, but it's not weapons or anything like that. Is that true? Honestly, I don't know. That was from a government statement. So maybe. The one thing that seems to unite the, the propaganda and the lies, the people who are getting smeared, is whether or not you oppose the war. Now, by all means, those of you watching, feel free to support war. I disagree with you. I'll tell you the truth, and then you can tell me if you think the war is necessary. Now, if there really are uh, biolabs with dangerous pathogens in Ukraine, and you think we need to send troops on the ground to protect them, Okay, I understand your point. Talk about the truth. Tell me what your opinion is on the best thing to do, and I can disagree with you. They don't want you to disagree. They want you to believe that war is the only way, which brings me back to the story I started off with first. Stalled Russian forces striking near the Polish border. What do you mean stalled Russian forces? Stalled? They're in the West now? Okay, then hold on there a minute. This is what I just don't understand. You've got these areas that are claimed by Russia. You've got these contested, uh, occupied areas. You've got Ukrainian territories fully occupied pre-2020. You've now got these other areas that have been occupied by Russia. And they say that Putin is stalled. 
but he's attacking Lviv now. That's interesting. Lviv is in the West, 40 or so miles from Poland. Vladimir Putin has been able to strike Lviv. No, no, no. Hold on. Wait, what? Russian forces strike Lviv. So are they stalled or are they expanding? What are we not being told here? If you come out and you question the fractured narrative and the broken media, okay, they're going to smear you and lie about you. And like we saw with YouTube, censor you. I just want to point this out with the Tulsi Gabbard being censored. You know, I watched the video report and they show war. And I thought maybe that's their justification. And then we have a CNN video. I better be careful because uh, this CNN video can get my video restricted. CNN shows war, conflict, crisis, destruction. So why is Tulsi Gabbard getting her interview with Fox censored? It probably has very little to do with showing war and has more to do with what you know, the Daily Beast is doing or what the media was doing with the Hunter Biden laptop story. Deeply evil people like Jared Holt, for instance, who know they're lying because he lies so much. You know, at a certain point, it's just like, bro, you know, you're lying. And I've invited him to come on our show and to do interviews with us. And he won't do it. Why? Because his lies won't stand up to scrutiny. And he knows it. I know it. And so if his real goal was to seek the truth and better inform people to make proper decisions, maybe that proper decision would be intervention in Ukraine, if that's his opinion. Why would he not argue for it? Maybe he's just a grifter. Maybe that's everybody. Maybe all of these leftists are just trying to make money, and this is the popular cause. Or maybe he knows he's a liar. I mean, that's really the only explanation. People like him and Cenk Uger, they, they know they're lying. I don't know to tell you, man, I think the decision's yours. But when you have an authoritarian regime, when you have these institutions in the media outright pushing for war and conflict and defending corruption, it's no surprise you'll have deeply corrupt individuals like Jared Holt supporting them. I really wonder how much he gets paid. I wonder, you know, what, you know, I'll put it this way. I don't understand the worldview of someone like Jared Holt uh, or uh, of, you know, Cenk Uger and the Young Turks. I don't, I, I can't, I can't actually put myself in their shoes because I don't understand what could be going through their mind that would justify fabricating stories. I just don't get it. I, I can't imagine. I mean, I guess Jenk is a millionaire. You know, he makes a lot of money. I don't think Jared makes a lot of money. So what is it? Is Jared scared that he can't get work anywhere else because he's consistently produced propaganda for his career? So that's all he'll continue to do. Is it because he wants to make sixty, seventy thousand dollars a year and be able to pay his rent? I have no idea. See, for me, I would rather sleep in the woods, homeless and starving, but know that I defended the truth to the best of my abilities. I get things wrong, of course. I'm not motivated by cash, and I have no problem seeking out adventure and dealing with hardship. So, because of that, I cannot fathom a scenario in which I would purposefully lie about an international war or conflict for any reason. I just don't get it. That's just me. And you know what? Ultimately, I don't think Jared cares. I do think, you know, you know, I'll call him out and I'll criticize him because this story directly involves me and it's a not right fabric fabrication. But the one thing I can see is he'll probably use my response to further spread lies and misinformation because that's what he does. For me, you know, when I talk about news, I use NewsGuard certified sources to make sure everything I'm commenting on comes from a 
certified source. What they do is they pull up a screenshot of a tweet so you can't actually see what I'm saying and then lie about what my opinion is. You see, that's the difference. But they'll lie. It's what they do. And the best we can do is just push back on those lies. So maybe the real end result is going to be U.S. war with Russia. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out. And I'll see you all then. Leah Thomas has once again won an NCAA swimming event, this time the championships. For those that aren't familiar, Leah Thomas is biologically male and has been competing against women. The victory resulted in a trend on Twitter for Emma Wayant, who won second place. Many people are saying she is the true first place winner. Some are saying there should be an asterisk next to the name of Leah Thomas so that people know there is a biological difference. Some of the rhetoric coming out is actually a bit, I don't know what the right word for it, um, but Caitlyn Jenner came out and said, uh, you know what, I'm just going to read you the tweet from Caitlyn Jenner. It's probably going to get me in trouble on YouTube, but we'll read it anyway. Pink News says, Caitlyn Jenner launches yet another disgraceful attack on trans athletes without a hint of irony. Caitlyn Jenner said, no, I just had the balls to stand up for women and girls in sports. It's actually kind of an amazing tweet. Caitlyn Jenner, of course, a trans woman. And now you have conservatives cheering for Caitlyn Jenner having tweeted this. Ian Miles Chong here at the top saying, this is the way. Now, this story was related to something from the 14th, once again, going after Caitlyn Jenner. This tweet is coming out now amid the controversy with the NCAA, so it may not be completely related. But what's interesting here is that there are many transgender athletes who are critical of the idea of biological males competing against females. For those that are not familiar with my segments discussing this issue, or for those of you who may find yourselves on the left end of the political spectrum in support of trans women competing against uh, cis women, however you want to describe it, I would only ask you this. Leah Thomas, biologically male, very tall, large, uh, broad, uh, broad shoulders, Clearly, uh, these things are physical advantages. Now, you can argue about testosterone. That's fine. If the issue is that men and women, these are social construct categories, and that the women's category is simply a social construct category, why is Isaac Hennig, a biological female who identifies as a man, also competing against women? You see, if you operate under the progressive perspective, that's uh, gender as a social construct, then Isaac Hennig must be competing in the men's division, but isn't. If you are on the conservative side of things, then you'd probably argue that Isaac is in the right place competing against women as a biological female, but then Leah Thomas should not be. I, I need to understand, for those that are on the left, how you justify this. Now, of course, people have come out and said that uh, Isaac Hennig is not taking testosterone, but I don't know how that matters we're talking about a social construct, not biology. So which is it? Is it that your biology determines whether or not you should compete against females? In which case, Lyah Thomas is, I believe, around six feet tall, substantially taller than men on average with more bone density, muscle mass, and collagen, despite being on hormone replacement. That doesn't change the biology. Isaac Hennig has received top surgery, but identifies as a man. If you come to me and say, anyone who identifies as a woman can compete against women, I'd say, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I got no issue there. I don't compete. These are the rules you guys set. By all means, do it. But then how can you have a man, Isaac Hennig, competing against women? I'm just trying to figure out where this all lines up. 
Well, the controversy now has resulted in people shouting out Emma Wayand. And, and where it gets interesting is this photo right here, which, man, this, this story is, this is, this is, to me, it's absolutely, it's crazy. There's videos coming out from the, uh, uh, the podium ceremony. Let me, let me first describe this photo for those that are listening. In this image, you can see Leah or Lia Thomas, so I've been told it's pronounced different ways, standing as the national champion, national champion, yet the second, third, and fourth place winners, biological females, huddled together on the third place podium with their trophies and take a photo together. It's, it's actually kind of obvious what the sentiment is among these, these, these women. These, these, these females, they do not, they clearly do not respect the uh, uh, Lia Thomas competing against them. Now, here's what I said in a previous segment discussing this issue. I have no issue whatsoever with Lia Thomas competing against these women. I know, and I'll, but hold on, hold on, hear me out. The issue is the rules have been set. Lia Thomas is obeying the rules, is competing and winning. Okay, well, there you go. The rules are relatively arbitrary. Now, I understand, right? Here's, here's my point. Let me, let, me, let me make my point. I understand that um, for most people, we expect the rules to be biological females compete against females and biological males compete against males. But at a certain point, the rules were changed. If you have an issue with those rules, then everything that's happening is appropriate in that people are complaining and saying, we want this changed. This rule should not be in place in which case then the rules should be changed. But let me tell you what my issue is with the other swimmers. Actually, let, let me let me, let me slow down for a minute. I have no issue whatsoever with these other swimmers who did really, really well and uh, won second, third, and fourth place, nor do I have an issue with Leah Thomas. They're all agreeing to a set of rules. They're all competing. And Emma Wyant gets to be silver medal. Leah Thomas gets to be gold medal. If any one of these swimmers took issue with what was going on, they need only say, I will not swim. Now, some people have said it's hard. I've seen these responses. It's hard. These these women have fought their whole lives to become the best of the best and to compete in the in the, in this competition. I don't I don't see that as an excuse for not standing up for what you believe in and for agreeing to participate in something that you're coming out and saying is wrong. If you believe this is wrong, don't do it. So are you satisfied with your silver medal? I haven't seen any of these people come out and, and, and make statements about them being unhappy about it. I'm sure they are. I mean, this photo speaks volumes. You can see how they're huddled together away from Leah Thomas. When Leah Thomas was asked about the hate, Leah said that they'll just try to ignore it. That to me is also absolutely crazy. In a video that came out of the podium ceremony, ceremony, they go from bottom up. They're like, in third place, you know, in second place, Emma Wayand. And everyone's like, woo, and they're all screaming and cheering. And the national NCAA champion, Leah Thomas. And you hear boos and spatter, you know, spatterings of clapping here and there and booing. I don't understand how you can be uh, uh, sort of coming into a, a designated space where Everyone is opposed to you being there where the other athletes separate themselves from you and you would stand tall and say, I deserve this. You know, there are uh, here's, here's my mentality, right? Because I think this is a difference between authoritarian and libertarian. 
I would say Leah Thomas is probably more of an authoritarian. I can take what I want and they should have to abide by what I want. I view things like if I'm causing a burden to too many people, then I will choose to leave. If I'm with a group of people and they all say something like, we want to go get, you know, a certain kind of food to eat. Uh, if I'm friends with most of these people, so let's put it this way, right? Uh, I try to avoid eating lots of sugars. I've been talking about it. Oh, I got to get the sugars out of the diet. If I'm with a group of people and they all say, we want to go get ice cream, I say, okay. And then I don't eat the ice cream. I will not, you know, I got no issue. We'll hang out. Now, if I'm on like a bus full of, um, let's, let's say I went to an adventure center because we have those around here and everyone's going to go kayaking and we're in a big bus and the bus driver says, we're going to stop to, to fuel up and get a snack. Where should we stop? And every single person says, we want, you know, ice cream. I'd be like, I don't. I'm also not going to tell all of these people that they shouldn't be allowed to go get ice cream just because I, one person, don't want it. I'll figure something out. Maybe they've got something healthier, or maybe I just won't have ice cream this one time. If you got 99 people all really excited and high-fiving for ice cream, far be it from me to take that away from them. Now you have the alternative, the, the, the authoritarian. Let's say 99 people on the bus, they all scream, ice cream, and there's one vegan who screams, no, I refuse. We're going to get algae. Okay, I know vegans have good ice cream too. I like vegan food, truth be told. But let's say that one vegan person was like, absolutely not. We will not be getting ice cream. And then everyone was forced to abide by this person. And they said, look, we can't do it. We've got a complaint. You see, I don't like that, that world. I don't live in that world. I am not a, a big fan of utilitarianism, but I am a fan of respecting the decision of a group when people are all happy to want, you know, happy, happy to, to, to have something. I don't think one person should enter someone else's space and dictate they not be able to have their happiness. So for me, I would just say, I'll go find something else. I'm, I'm resilient. I'm self-reliant, which is why it's strange to me that uh, Leah Thomas is just so adamant about being in a space where people are booing and these other women are, are, are separating themselves. You know, but look, again, I'll throw it back to what I said earlier. More power to, to Leah Thomas. If these young women don't want to, uh, don't like what's happening, they need to stop participating. But why don't they? No, for real, why don't they? If, if I kept going on one of these trips and every single time they kept saying, we're all going to go eat ice cream. And I was like, come on, like at least once, can we do something healthy? And they said, no, I would just be like, I'm going to stop coming. I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm going to stop coming. I'm not going to participate. More importantly, if I was on a trip and one person kept forcing us to go to some weird mud farm instead of getting the, the food we wanted, I'd be like, I am not going to participate in this event where you're, where you're letting these, these temper tantrums dictate what we can or can't do. So when I see these young women support the system, what's the problem? Who's complaining? Well, truth be told, there are some people complaining. In this story from the Daily Mail, Quote, Leah bumped my teammate out of the finals. Brave Virginia Tech swimmer bravely speaks up to reveal friend was heartbroken at losing place in NCAA championships to trans athlete who continues to sweep the board. Let me, let me, let me, um, let me read a little bit. They go on to mention Leah Thomas. They say until 2019, Thomas was competing for UPenn's men's team, but has since competed, uh, completed the required year of testosterone reduction treatment. Okay, let's play a game. 
Prenatal testosterone has an impact on fast twitch muscle development. Uh, male puberty has an impact on lung capacity and heart size, height, bone density, skin collagen. All of these things cannot be taken away by replacing testosterone. Replacing testosterone doesn't have, doesn't, does have an impact, but the advantages are still there. And that's actually me citing a transgender athlete, I believe out of Portland. We, we covered this story in the past. They say a Virginia Tech swimmer on Thursday spoke out on camera against Thomas, saying she had an unfair advantage. Others have anonymously criticized Thomas, but she is the first to share the disappointment and frustration on camera. Another swimmer, former Olympian Felipe Delgado, said the controversy was not Thomas's fault and said the NCAA leadership committee was to blame. I completely agree with that. They could have followed USA Swimming's lead when they announced in February that 36 consecutive months of testosterone reduction were needed. I still don't agree with that, but I do think the NCAA is at fault, not Leah Thomas. If someone says, here are the rules, and I say, I'll abide by those rules, and people get mad about it, I'll be like, I am abiding by the rules. You know what movie I just watched? I forgot what it's called, but it's called, I think, what's it called? Bad Words? Something like that. It's with um, uh, Jason Bateman, and he enters a children's spelling bee contest. And it's because the rule says that the child competing in the spelling bee can't have completed the eighth grade by like 2000 or something like that. And he, it's a loophole. He says, I never completed the eighth grade. Therefore, I cannot be restricted, even though it's like a 45-year-old man or something. And everyone's upset because he's winning, but he does it to prove a point. Can't blame him. He played by the rules. It's a really good movie, by the way. And I would put it this way. If, if, I mean, that's a bit different. That's like a one-time thing. This is a dramatic change to our culture, but let's, let's, let's read a little bit more. They say, NCAA executives decided it was unfair to change its rules mid-season. Delgado's daughter, Annika, 19, who represented Ecuador at the 2020 Olympics, will race against Thomas at the weekend in the 100-yard freestyle. You do not get to complain, Felipe Delgado, and your daughter does not get to complain when they actively participate in something they say is wrong. I mean, you, uh, uh, let, let, me, let, me, let me be fair. Of course you can complain, but I'll tell you this. You have, an op you have an opportunity and you have an option. And that opportunity and option is to say, I will not compete. I mean, wouldn't it be weird if you were having like a skateboard competition and they were, you know, I was thinking about this. I was like, what if I had a skateboarding competition to see how many backflips a skateboarder could perform, which tends to be sometimes one. And then we included a, 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 a scooters. And we're like, the best skateboarder win. And then some dude shows up in a scooter and he does a double flare. And people are like, bro, it's scooters and skateboards are different. They've got handles. I'd be like, you knew the rules when you signed up. People would just be like, okay, well, it's a scooter contest, isn't it? That's what I find interesting about this. If you choose to compete in an event in which you know you will likely lose, you've chosen this. Don't compete. I wouldn't compete in a contest where it was like, I, I, you know, look, it, imagine if they were like, we're going to have a, uh, a local sprint and the winner gets $100 and then the money goes to charity and then Usain Bolt showed up. I'd be like, I'm good. You know, like, I don't think I'm going to win the first place prize. Like, imagine that everyone's competing for that first place prize and then Usain Bolt shows up. It's just like, come on, man. You know, if we're going to do Olympic grade running, it's fair. You know, if the rules allow it to happen. The way I see it is, then maybe people have fun. They know they're not going to get first place and they chose to do it. Here's what needs to happen. What needs to happen is that these people who are complaining about being bumped, they need to just not swim. Here's what I see, though. People like Emma Wayant. I don't know why people are cheering for her. And, and you, you realize that all of these people are supporting what you're supposedly complaining against. 
If I, here's all, the only thing I can see. Leah Thomas wins, Emma Wang gets second, and everyone's smiling and happy and cheering. Okay. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, that's it. If all of these people walked out and no one swam, wow, the rules would change overnight. This is what really bothers me the most about people. Seriously, the rules would change overnight, and you know it. There is no excuse for saying you don't support something, but then propping that system up. The rules would change overnight. We're not talking about millions or billions of people. We are talking about 10 people, 10 who just walk away. Here's what you can do. You show up to swim. You stand there ready, ready to go. And then when they announce, you know, the, the, whatever they do, go, the bang goes off or whatever. All of the women just stand and they don't swim. Leah Thomas will jump in and start swimming alone. But they don't do that because I don't think they actually care all that much about what's happening. They'd rather just beat people like this. You know, this individual who gets bumped, it's, it's, it's sad. The same thing happened. Two women got bumped up in Connecticut when two biological males ran in, in a track competition. And, you know, they complained about it. Well, yeah, they got bumped. But the women who made it to the podium, who made it to the, who got the scholarships, they're not going to complain because they're like, I'm going to get what I need and then get out. And so for that, I say, I don't care. If, 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 look, I, I have no idea what uh, uh, Emma Want or any of these other women think or feel about Leah Thomas. And if they aren't coming out and complaining, I don't care. And if they're willing to compete and then get their victories, Good for them. It's funny to me that the people who are speaking out and complaining are the ones who are getting bumped, which says to me, it's likely any one of these other women who, who, who got second, third, or fourth, I'm willing to bet if they were the ones who got bumped, they would be complaining too. I don't, I don't trust the people who are going to come out and act like they care about this, but they won't stand up against it. No, because second place is still really good. And you can still say, I got second place. And you can still use that to advance your career and your life. And you say, this is just one moment. I'm going to ignore it. Well, good for Leah Thomas then. Playing by the rules, supported by all of the other swimmers. You can boo and jeer all you want. But if the players, the, the athletes, I should say, support it, what's the problem? I mean, honestly, what is the issue if everyone, you know, it's, it's, it's a weird thing to me. I, uh, I, I, can, I can talk about skateboarding, right? Because there, there is a, uh, a trans or a now non-binary athlete, someone I've actually met in the past and skated with, who is competing against women. And this is what I found to be just so strange. Skateboarding is not a muscle-based sport. Like, it's not a strength-based sport. Certainly, your ability to jump gives you an advantage. Certainly, fast twitch muscle and all these things give you an advantage. And it is a fact that male skateboarders are better at skateboarding than female skateboarders. And I'm not saying that to be mean. It's just a reality if you just look at skateboarding events. I think it was a 12-year-old boy who, did, who landed the first 1080. I don't, think we, I don't think we've seen any girls. Actually, no, I take that back. We may have seen a fakie 720 from a, from a young girl. I'm not entirely sure. I think so. Fakie 720. We haven't even seen a 900. 
But a 12-year-old boy, these are, these are prebubescent, landing a 1080, the first time ever done on a skateboard. So there was an individual who is biologically female competing in the women's division and winning and then announced you know, that they, they were trans and they knew they were trans for some time, but continued competing in the women's division. And I'm just like, why? Compete against the men. Here's the reality. The biological female identifying as a man could not keep up in the men's division. It's just, it would never happen. So I think the prospect of getting, you know, 30 grand for a gold medal is just why actually, uh, you know, uphold your own ideology and compete against the, the, the men when you identify as a, as a man. Because I think deep down, people like Leah Thomas, Emma Wyant, these skateboarders, they know there are biological differences between males and females, regardless of whether or not you're taking testosterone, period. That's just a fact. But no one is willing to speak up or do anything about it. So why should I complain? If you came to me as someone who didn't skateboard and said, I have an issue with this, I'd say, but you don't know anything about skateboarding. You don't know anything about the rules. What, what do you have to do with our community and our events? I don't know anything about these people who are swimming. I don't know anything about Leah Thomas or Emma Wayand. I don't know what they think for the most part. I don't know what their thoughts on all of this are. And I don't know what most people in the swimming in, in swimming know or care about swimming. So I don't really have much to say other than this. All of these women on the podium support what is happening with Leah Thomas. And good for them. They're not going to win, you know. Congratulations, you, you, you'll only ever get close to that silver medal unless you're doing endurance swimming because uh, um, females actually do better than males in endurance swimming. Uh, at, at a certain amount of time, women actually do better and uh, it's due to buoyancy and, and things like that. I was reading about it. It's very interesting. So, um, you know, if they're okay with it and they seem to be all happy and smiling on the podium, well, good for them. Everybody else who wants to complain about it, I ask you this. Are you involved in NCAA? Do you have someone in family or friends who are in swimming? Now, I can certainly respect and understand if you're concerned about the overall idea of sports in general. That I agree with. My issue here is before any of us step up and, and demand changes to the NCAA, we need to ask these young women why they aren't doing the same. Many of them are. I'm saying these women who continue to compete, why aren't they speaking out? Could it be they support it and they, they don't want first place? You know, silver medal, congratulations. Is that what you wanted? If that's the case, I'm not going to pretend to be mad on your behalf. Now, ultimately, I think the problem in this country that we have culturally is that there's no strong, cohesive culture. People aren't willing to speak up and say we should have, you know, specific cultural norms. How about this? To all the conservatives... Here's a simple solution. Start your own swim organization. And I genuinely mean this. Parallel economies. Make it. For the time being, if the athletes themselves don't seem to care, then what are we complaining about? I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcast. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today. 
at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply.